And uh, here we go again with another episode of Swing Thoughts. In the middle of fall 2016, I'm Howard Glassman, humble Howard, humble and Fred show, golf spiritual leader, yeah. along with the uh, mental performance coach of the gods. <laughs> We're a little too much. We really are taking this to a different plane. He has uh, come to this uh, dimension <laughs> from beyond Tim O'Connor, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, four different golf books, a student of the game, along with myself, the creators of golf's finest mental slash golf nerd, a palooza. Deal with it. You know, if we if we don't blow our own horn, who will? And then trust me, if I could blow my own horn, I'd be upstairs right now. <laughs> Thank you. What do you? Is he, is he, how long are you here? Enjoy the veal. Uh, this oi. program, oi. By the way, this program is still sponsored by TaylorMade Adidas for now. Had a great uh, dinner the other night with our friend from TaylorMade, Stuart Banantine. He's the uh, director of uh, the Performance uh, Golf Centers, and uh, I'm not sure exactly what his title is. Is He, he was like the... Um I loved his title. It's like performance director of performance or something. Performance or, fitting, or, or magic or something. Here's a story he told me that this summer during the Open, at some point, you know, he was milling about the tailor-made tent, and Jason Day comes in, and someone says uh, Jason needs his putter bent, and they looked over at Stu, and Stu's like, "I can do it," and he hand bent. Nice. Jason Day's, I think he's using that spider or a, the tour version of that spider. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, pretty interesting conversation with Stu about the future of TaylorMade and how well they're doing. And they're just sort of waiting. Uh, I asked a couple questions about are they going to be absorbed by another golf company, and he didn't uh, know. Although he did hint at a couple of things. But for you TaylorMade fans, there will be a TaylorMade next year. Oh, how could there not? How could there not be, particularly after this year, They've been doing well for years, but the M1 was just a complete knockout. You know, those clubs are so popular. And now, you know, Rory's playing with them. I think Tiger was messing with some. He was sighted with TaylorMade. Yeah, so. there's a rumor that at this Hero Challenge coming up in a week or so, or is it coming up next week? Is it next week, the Hero Challenge or something like that? Well, whatever it is, there's a rumor Soon. he's going to be showing up with a TaylorMade in his uh, bag. Yeah. Anyway, they're our sponsor, along with Clublink. I'm about to uh, go on the Clublink uh, Pro-Am to Florida. Nice. It's a thing I host, along with Yvonne Cornwaye, Dale Howardchuck, Wendell Clark, and the great Dan Duran. Wow. There's a group. Absolutely. So do you guys do like the um, after round of golf, you get the guys, the hockey guys up on some chairs and they start telling stories and all that stuff? Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? Oh, it's so much fun. We should. Uh, no, what really happens is those guys are just milling about. Oh. They're what uh, Clublink calls Clublink amb- ambassadors. And so right. tomorrow night there's a sort of a welcoming cocktail party. I host that. I usually bring them up, say hi. But you know what? That's actually a good idea. Maybe I'll say, why don't we have a little... Q&A with certainly Yvonne. I don't know if the other guys will be around tomorrow night, but Yvonne's a... I mean, I had dinner with him a couple of winters ago during this week, and like, you know, even if you're not a big Hab fan, you got to respect that he's got... He has this joke about how he has a ring for every finger. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he's got 10 of them. Yeah, I Like, know. it's absurd. It's crazy. Montreal Canadiens. So, O'Connor, let's just start off, as we often do, by complimentarying. Uh, you wrote something... Now, we talked about it on our last episode, and we had mentioned you wrote a blog about your final round. Oh, yes, yes. The end of season ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had some pretty cool feedback on that. Really? Well, like what? What people well, say? Well, it, um, it was largely around the being in the experience of the golf course. A lot of people found that kind of interesting. Like, you know, what did I really mean? And that that sounded really kind of zen and, you know, achieving serenity. Um, But I really think it is a unique experience. Not many people have the opportunity to play golf by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I've just, I love doing it. And what I found was, what's interesting to me is that 
by being in the experience, what I mean is, is that I'm just really, all my senses are really alive. I'm looking around at the trees, and I'm just really seeing things. And sometimes I see things in ways I haven't seen them before, or I didn't notice something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm just feeling like the wind on my face. Or what the ground really feels like. And and I get it, and no offense to your description of it now, but it's not as good as the description you wrote. Because I, re- I reread it after we had <laughs> talked about it, because I had sort of looked at it, like a lot of things, you know, in a day we all get a lot of, there's a lot of information. So, so, so I've been writing for like 35 years. You've been broadcasting for 35 years. 45. 40, it'll be 40 next year. Yeah, so my writing's generally <laughs> Better than my broadcast. Well, but let me say this because that was kind of I was mostly joking because the the writing of your final round blog, I, I read it a couple times oh. and I was like, wow, it's weird. It's almost like I know you, and then I read your stuff, and it was I I didn't I felt like wow I know that guy because it was so nicely written and described and and I read a few passages. There's a a, a sentence or two where you talk about the wind and the the you could hear the sound of the the leaves as you know some of the leaves as they're drying out there's almost like a uh, a crunchy sound or whatever well, however you described it which i is much better than what i just did it was really well written i wanted to tell you that oh thanks yeah it was really nice and i was like wow uh just that i went oh he's pretty good at this <laughs> I, I swear i know it's stupid but no no thank you um yeah that that was a, a fun piece to write um because it was from my from my experience and i find that that's where the best stuff comes from. Where the stuff that you and I do is from our personal experience and mm-hmm. how we and and how other people can relate to it, rather than you know do this, do that, that type of stuff. You know, I, I just find in my own writing, you know, if we're just for a minute going down that path, I'm not that interested in writing. Here's what you do. You know, if you want to become a better golfer, do this and this. I find that if it's telling stories, other my own stuff or other people, that's just a gateway for people to reflect on their own experience that much better. Sure. It's almost like people learn from the inside out as opposed to the outside in, as opposed to going, well, I read this, Tim told me to do this. And so for the next three holes, I'm going to concentrate on this. I mean, there are some of those things. I mean, even the technical side of the game, and I've had a lot of uh, me and a few other people, a bit of debate back and forth with our friend Mark Evershed over the last couple months. Oh yeah, and uh, you know you can. <laughs> I like Mark a lot. I spent a I spent a good chunk of my life uh, on a on a range with Mark Evershed. And if you you should follow him on Facebook. If you're a golf nerd like us, the guy is a, he's brilliant. But you can get sucked into the Evershed vortex. <laughs> Absolutely, like, boy. Oh, like boy. You, you really really can because Mark has some very specific ideas about how to move the golf club to make the golf ball do something. And I keep sort of poking in on his threads, oh, and they're do. all, yeah, they're all the same. I keep going into this sort of zen thing about, okay, fine. So you can move the club this way, but how, what does that have to do with playing golf? And then he comes back, and we go back and forth, and finally I just get tired. But, but, <laughs> but I think it's fun wh- while it lasts. I think what we talk about, you and I, not that we're the... I mean, I am golf spiritual leader, but but I, I think there's people can absorb it in a different way. I, I don't think we basically never talk about how to hit a golf ball because it really is. Yeah. And, and I think there's some we should talk about this. There's some people go, oh, it's easy for you guys. Tim is a solid, you know, golf ball striker. I'm a good player in it. Scratch. It's, but it's not easy. It has nothing to do with. Um, yeah, there's a certain ability to hit a golf ball you need to have. But once you're in the 22 and lower handicap range, you can move the ball around enough to absorb what we're talking about, I think. What about you? Oh, I agree 100%. And the thing that has been just gelling and I've been reaffirming, and this year has been huge around that, is that we really have all that we need inside. And so for someone to give me information, you know, move your hip this way, do this, that's external information. And that's what I mean about I'm not as interested in writing stuff as do this, do that versus reflecting experience because it's really all about your own experience and how you are in the environment. And that's what I was talking about in that blog is is if I'm in the experience and I'm relating to my environment and that, that could mean taking a good 
look at the at chip shot that I have. If I'm focused on, say, keeping my right wrist bent and my left wrist, you know, firm, I'm likely to miss things in in seeing where the shot needs to go. So I hit the shot and I'm all focused internally. And I leave the darn thing short. Oh, I didn't even because I didn't see mm-hmm. and, and, and my senses didn't pick up that. Oh, this thing's uphill and um, there's a little bit of dew on the grass. If you're really in the experience, your body reads all of that stuff. And that's what I uh, that's what I really so give think. me an example. Uh, talk a little bit more about what's not being in the experience or you sort of said it like uh, being too focused on. Oh, I have a chip shot. This is how a chip shot is played. I must do this. I need to move it this way. Meanwhile, you're not actually practicing the shot in front of you. You're not feeling any of those things. Am I putting words into your mouth? No, no, that, that's that and, sounds fine. And, you know, when you see a good player or better players practice, uh, say, a chip shot, we'll use that example, like you look at where you're focusing and they're they're all focusing on the motion that's needed to put the ball in a place that will release to the hole. And, and those are things from your blog you that good players are, are constantly feeling those and putting them into the, you know, sort of the equation for that shot. And that's why, you know, Johnny Miller years ago was talking about brushing the grass, brushing, brushing the grass. But what you're really feeling is what is this? What will I need to do? What energy will I need to expend? What will this what will this shot be like? Whereas I see a lot of guys take practice wings that have nothing to do with the shot they're about to hit. (laughs) Absolutely. Like if you're trying to hit a low punch seven iron under the wind, 115 yards and you're making a full swing. Well, you're not you're making a practice swing, but it ain't that swing. Most of the time, I find what we're talking about here is people trying to make golf swings versus hit golf shots. Yes. And if you are not into, your, into the environment, if you're not concentrated on out there, you know, from really, the area to focus on is from the ball to the target. If you're not focused out there, then you're going to miss things. You don't even, your body doesn't even really know what you want to do. It really doesn't know what to do. It, it, the body relates to, oh, this little thing here, this white thing, oh, the idea is to send it to there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then the body will read that, oh, I, I'm going to do this. And it's really on a really subconscious, subliminal level, really. And that's why good players are always looking at their target, particularly chip shots. It's a great example. They're looking at the environment. They're just letting things come in and the feel. And then they just kind of go, I got this. And then hit the shot. So what do you it's say not to somebody? A golf swing, it's making a golf shot. So back to what what we're talking about. So somebody's listening, going, "Okay, again, that's great for you guys." When I'm a 16 handicap, and I don't chip very well, and I would say that a lot of what you feel about your chipping or putting or your mid irons or whatever it is you feel unsure or insecure about, a lot of that has to do with focusing on the golf course. With tr- and I did this. I, I, I say this um, humbly, no pun intended, from <laughs> from somebody that has been more swing obsessed than anybody I've ever met. I've, I'm two things that I, I have, I'm not altogether proud of, but the worst uh, sport, the worst um, temper I've ever met was my own, and the the most obsessed with learning a golf swing was me. And I know this from experience that. A lot of what you 16 and fives and whatever handicaps feel is you're doing this. You're trying to remember how to swing a golf club. It's, and whether it's the third hole or the 18th hole, you're still trying to go, what did my coach tell me to do? Am I, am I taking it back inside and lifting them? And those are what's going through most people's minds. And then they go to hit the ball. 160 yards and they really haven't fed any of that information because you can and i see it i used to do it i used to have this evershed drill where i was almost like an early set kind of faldo-esque i had nothing to do with what i was doing no it doesn't and then what why that would make me angry is because i could never i was never good enough against the the model of perfection that i was trying to to reach does that make sense oh it makes perfect sense and and you that is unfortunately the uh, the vortex, if you will, oh, yeah. that most people fall into. They're trying to make golf swings. They're trying to 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 do this thing that's that's not even really related to hitting the ball. It's not. They're trying to achieve an objective, which is to keep my right elbow beside my side or something. That has nothing to do with moving this ball to that target. It really doesn't. And, and yet they, and then that, if I may jump back in, that's what's frustrating. That's why golfers get mad. And that's a bit of an epiphany for me this year, for sure. Why we get mad is because the ball didn't do, it's, it's twofold. Not only did the ball not go where we wanted to, 
but we're caught up in this sort of um, catch-22 or endless chasing of your tail that you didn't do the perfect swing. The elbow didn't go in like it was supposed to. You know, I haven't seen, you know, other summers I would have seen my golf swing on tape endless hours. I haven't even watched it this year. I don't care because when I watch it, all I can see is I'm not doing, my shaft is not flattening out at the right spot and I am still sliding by the ball. And then I would go and try and practice so I didn't do those things. But those are, it's just such bullshit. Because you're right, it has nothing to do with propelling the ball in a manner that gets me closer to whatever target I'm trying to hit. Yeah, and really, it's about being in this moment of, of letting this ball go and allowing yourself really to, in many ways, it sounds very esoteric, is to express yourself and, and actually create. And that sounds like really out there. But if we're trying, if the idea is to try to make a golf swing and make a technically proficient motion... Really, it doesn't really have anything to do with being in the moment of hitting a shot and expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, by the way, I don't. I don't think there's a problem with saying that. I mean, because no, really, no, no, it's not. There, there is. There, a, oh, go ahead. No, just there needs to be body awareness for sure. I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying um, that you throw out all the technical things that you need to do for sure, but. You do need to be aware of basic things like your your ball position, your posture, your alignment. Again, and that's around. It, Really, if you're aligned to your target, you are going to stand usually in a way that's going to be optimal to your target because it's just natural that you're going to do that. But really, the easiest way, I think, for people to understand a little bit easier what we're talking about is just, is just to get someone and throw a golf ball to them. You just throw a golf ball. I guarantee you, like 99 times out of 100, you're going to throw it right to them. If you're aiming at the person's um, right hand, you're going to get it there. Was there any thinking of transferring weight? Was there any thinking of move my elbow back, hinging right wrist, moving to target? None of that. You're responding to the target. It's the same thing in golf, and in chipping, it's the same thing. And I'll go even further with you. If we're throwing a, a golf ball or a tennis ball, you know, I could throw it side-armed. I could throw it overhand. I could lob it to you. I could do all those things. And, and make get it there. And make that adjustment without really thinking about it too much like if i wanted to throw like a see if i could throw a two-seamed uh you know slider or something i might, I might put my because i i i uh, used to play a lot of catch hardball catch with a yeah. former girlfriend of mine this is a true story nice. who could throw the ball she, she could throw a hardball i'm talking about a fastball baseball further than me and all this started is true story we were out in a school parking lot uh, a field one day and we were playing catch she goes you know i could throw this farther than you i go no you can't I say, I, you know, very, she's very athletic, but I said, there's no way you can throw it. And then we kept th- going further and further away. And then she goes, are you, are you, are you, is that it for you? Go, yeah, well, we're, we're way. And then she threw it over my head. Like it was absurd. Anyway, my point was that, uh, I can't remember what my point was about throwing a ball. Well, with the girl, <laughs> yeah. just tie this one up. doesn't matter. Oftentimes when I think of her, I get stuck. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a... It's one of those things. That's anyway, for, um, is that for the other podcast you do? No, uh, no. Hey, listen, everyone can really relate to having your heart crushed and put in a blender. Um, but what I was going to say about uh, targeting is just that, that you can do any number of all oh, we were talking about throwing a ball in yeah. any manner of way without really thinking about it too much. And you really can do a lot of fancy things with a ball, a football, a tennis ball. We do a lot of those things and never, ever question about where our where our release point is. You just instinctively do it. And the problem with golfers, myself included, is that we don't trust enough that we have enough in a round of golf to release the ball towards something. We don't trust ourselves. I didn't trust myself because I thought, oh, I must always be working on something. I should always have a swing thought. and And if that doesn't work, I'll try another one. And so on. And that's why it's frustrating. And that's why we hate ourselves. And that's why we don't have a good time playing golf. Because we don't think we're good enough to do the things that our teacher told us to do. It's so weird. Yeah, if mean, you think about it, it's supposed to be just this game you play. It, it is. And what I really think is that we uh, are totally deluded that we think that this, um, this mind, I've used this metaphor before, but this body is, is like from millions of years of evolution. And the mind actually is relatively not as evolved. So really, in some ways, are we thinking that this little um, Commodore crappy 
you know, thinking mind is actually more is smarter than this body. It's not your body figures things out way quicker. I think that um, I read somewhere that the subconscious is taking like thousands of bits of information all the time, all the time in doing things that your conscious mind is way is way slower. Mm-hmm. So why would you use your conscious mind to 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 guide yourself? Well, largely because it's it's largely in the place of either um future worrying about things, how they're going to turn out or ruminating about past things and you're largely just trying to keep yourself safe as opposed to having just faith and allowing yourself to do what you need to do. And no, it it again what we're saying is it it doesn't mean you don't take golf instruction. It doesn't mean that you don't work on this game and hit shots. And, and, but it's a large part of it is just being able to say, I have this amazing body machine. Let's let it do the work. No, I, I, I agree. I would say that, you know, again, having been lucky enough or I guess looking back on it, maybe unlucky enough to have so much golf instruction because and I remember getting so frustrated and slamming clubs into the ground because the shot didn't do what I wanted it to do. And I'm reiterating this and I didn't make the swing that I'd been practicing thousands of repetitions of, you know, um, and I, and I, I don't know how long I think thousands of hours of my life have been spent trying to make perfect golf swings, thinking, comma, that if I could just do that repeatedly, then I would be a good player. And I got myself to decent player status, but it was always, I think this is a thing any handicap will will relate to, always very fragile. My ego, emotion, and my physical ability were so fragile that the soon as, as soon as I'd hit a bad shot, that all of that, the house of cards or whatever that, when it could happen at any time, would all just come crumbling down and then I would be done. Because I would be, I'll think about it, disappointed. I wasn't, you know, you get frustrated. And again, I think most people relate to this. I spent all this time in this game. Why can't I ever get it? Why, you know, and, and all those golf cliches, you don't get, you know, you, just, you, don't, you don't own it, you just rent it. It's all wrong. Uh, and, but, and there's a thousand of those cliches that have to do with not matching up against the effort you put in mm-hmm. and why am I not getting the results I should get. And as I get back to our friend Evershed, because nobody ever took me aside and went, okay, you've you got enough of this swinging thing now. Let's go on the golf course and I'm going to show you, I'm going to introduce you to the game of golf. You know, we're all just supposed to know how to do that. And I think if a lot of men especially would just admit they don't really know how to play. Right. They know how to swing. And what their version of playing, it, it's, it's what I think will be for uh, Swing Thoughts 2017. <laughs> really a lot more time couldn't be spent with guys in how to play. Because that's one of the things I know that an 18 handicap doesn't know. I know that this game a little bit better, not just because I've been playing a long time, but through experience. And I think a lot of guys, even low handicaps like yourself, there's there's parts of the game that we don't have. There's gaps in our learning. Mm-hmm. And I think things like, you know, your mental performance coaching, what it does for me and other people is it gets us in a mental place where we're open to feeling those things back to your blog. You know, that's a great example of somebody, happens to be you, out in the field of play, as Shivas Irons would say, in the field of play, exor- absorbing mm-hmm. it. And reflecting that in, in the creativity of your golf game. And none of that has anything to do with where you are on your backswing. Well said. Absolutely. 100%. Damn right it was. Let's get yeah. back to talking about my ex-girlfriend, though. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> you know, it's funny. She's actually responsible. She's actually responsible for me getting back into... No, maybe this isn't the right one. Hang on. Here we go. She's responsible for me getting back into golf because it was in about 2011. I hadn't played more than three or four times a year for about, at that point, six or seven years. And we went out to a driving range one day. And we just, this is true. I went out to this uh, Vic Hatfields on uh, Trafalgar Road out in there in Oakville. 
and we just started hitting balls. And it was her enthusiasm for tr- enthusiasm, enthusiasm, uh, her enthusiasm for getting better that got me interested in playing again because we would go to the range a couple times a week after work. And then I, uh, I got her to the point in three years where she could play the Rattler at Rattlesnake and had a really good little golf swing. And then uh, we broke up and I was like, well, now what do I do? And it's funny because we would, broke... We broke. would she hit good shots, would you talk to her in like a Barry White voice? I would say, that was pretty good, baby. <laughs> and she would call me daddy, but for different reasons. Um, and then when we broke up in the summer of 2014, prior to that, I probably played maybe 30 or four, maybe 35 rounds. Between August of 2014 and the end of the golf season, I played 75 rounds of golf. I called it healing through golf. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that story. Let's talk a little bit about um, commitment. One of the things that uh, is a hallmark of a O'Connor student is the phrase, uh, commitment is freedom. And it's funny because you and I had never talked about it, but one of your students and I, who I play with, uh, was talking about a session with you, and he said, we, we, we talked about this phrase, commitment is freedom. And then I stole it, and I made it my own. <laughs> All right. Well, it's like I took the uh, building evidence from Carl Morrison. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what we all do. We just cobble stuff together, put our own spin on it, and there we go. So once you're – and by the way, before we're done, I want to do – I do want to offer a, a technical – I got a, a technical assignment for you, Swing Thought friends, mm-hmm. uh, something that you might work on. Or, well, or just something to think about over the winter that might be, you know, help you next year. So when you tell a student commitment is freedom, it's just what, what, what are the steps prior to that point? Well, prior to that point is someone wanting something different in their game or, or in their life. And, and they can have thoughts about what they want to do, but nothing is going to change unless there's action, unless there's a change. And people can think about things that they want to do. They want to eat less ice cream late at night. They want to be more assertive or they want to change elements of their golf swing, but, or they want to hit shots differently. Unless you make a commitment to it, it's way too easy for us to get knocked off course to, to actually not follow through on the actions we want to take. You know, when we're tired, uh, when we're stressed, that type of thing. So, what I find is that when you make, when I make a commitment, I'm making a commitment to myself. And what really helps is if I make a commitment to someone else. So it's kind of got some because it's a largely about accountability. So if I've made a commitment to something, it's it's I've really come to a resolve. And what that does is that when I'm then in those, you know, I can try to change my behavior. Let's say it's about you know not eating ice cream at night, whatever like some people do. If I've made that resolve that I've committed to not doing that, then the next time I go to reach into the freezer and get it at two in the morning, I went, I made this commitment to myself. And there's just, I think that there's something that happens in the human spirit when we've decided on something, we've really decided this is it. It's much more liable that you're just going to like close the freezer and maybe eat something else that's more healthy, but you've made this commitment. And I think that's the place to start is that that's moving from that moves from thought, which is connected to emotion. And then there's action I want to take and I make commitment and then I do it. What about in the context of a, of a round of golf where you've gathered uh, the information about a shot and then you say and instead of just letting it go, you, th- you think, OK, I a commitment is freedom and I'm going to give myself permission to stop thinking about. And by the way, the, the, it's a great metaphor for ice cream and all and, and changing personal habits. But in the context of you playing a game of golf, mm-hmm. how I like it the, way it, the way I think about it now and the way that some of your students do is that, okay, I've, I've done the homework. I've done the, the I've, I'm all ready now. And, and now that it's time to hit this, I'm committed to the fact that I'm just going to, I'm going to just do, be as free as possible in the activity of hitting this little golf ball. And I find that. Uh, very, um, I was going to say not invigorating, but freeing? very freeing. You know, yeah, it's, right. it's, you feel sort of like, well, I, I, I can just let it, I can just, you know, that old thing you got to, what is it? Give up, uh, give up control to get control. Absolutely. I never understood that. Yeah. But now thanks to that phrase, I kind of get it. 
It's like I, I don't else. I, there's nothing else to do except hit this ball now. Yeah. Well, one of the things here's a great story I find that exemplifies this this area of commitment and control and, and what we're talking about is um, Adam Scott. Uh, when he won the Masters, that was about four years ago, I think. Okay. Anyways, he came to the uh, final hole, uh, his 72nd hole, and I think he had like a six or eight footer or something like that. And what he said to himself was, do I have the courage to commit to my process or something along that line? Now, that's really... 2013, by the way. Yeah, that's really something. Mm-hmm. And, and the, so that story tells you is that he committed to his process. So thus, it freed him up from trying to do something different or allowing his emotions to, to overtake him. He committed to his process. So he was freed from more of those anxieties of, you know, this is the big moment. This is my career-defining time. Don't choke or don't leave it short or whatever. He committed to his process. And I just love the fact he asked himself, do I have the courage to commit to my process? Again, the, the story may not be no, exactly I, but right, it, but that's I, I totally that get it. what carries it. And it's a great example because it does take... Uh, an amount of courage to say to yourself, I won't be thinking about the first couple of feet of my takeaway or 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 I'm going to not worry about whether I clear my hips properly or I am I spinning out or any number of things that a lot of guys listening think about instead of just saying, well, OK, I've done that. I've made a practice swing. I've just determined it's a seven iron, 153, a little bit of right to left, all that stuff we do. And now I'm over the ball and I'm going to just let myself I'm going to I like the word. It's it sort of takes a bit of courage to do that because you've got to let your ego go and go. Yep. I'm cool with whatever is going to happen here. And that's where I think there's joy in that. And there's not as much judgment in it. Mm-hmm. There's some freedom in it. There's some clarity in it. And you, if you can accept the outcome, you know, one of the, I can't remember who it was we were talking to or we were talking about, there's only three things that can happen. It can go right or left or at your target. That's right. And as long as you're okay with that, you know, I think that the, someone we were talking to was, I, or I've read that about putting, you know, it's a three foot putt it can either go in or long, I mean, but as long as you're okay with anything that it can do, you just get up and hit it. What I think commitment really is big on is taking away the doubt, taking away the, the tendency to let fear overtake you over the ball, over the putt. And if I've committed, say, to a certain, so I've got a choice of a, of a couple of different shots, let's say on approach shot. Let's say uh, we use the example of uh, me playing uh, Blue Springs, fifth hole, uh, the, the pin was tucked, so it's a par three, a little bit downhill, got water in front, bunker right, and the pin was behind the bunker there. So there was basically two ways that I could play that, I saw to play that shot. My normal little draw right at it, but I thought, hmm, if I hit this a little bit thin, I'm not going to quite, um, I may not carry the water or just the bunker. Or the other shot would be to hit a five iron and hit a fade to the center of the green. And once I committed to that to that shot to the to the five iron, I was free from doubt. Mm-hmm. Just get up and hit it. And that in so in that way I was free from standing over the ball going, uh, maybe yeah, maybe I should hit the six and, and changing or standing over a ball and hitting a different shape or I have to do put a different swing on it. Once I've committed to something, I'm gonna be not necessarily aggressive, but I'm going to be far more invested in the process and do it in a way that my body's going to really activate in a way. It's kind of like all cylinders are going, all systems are go, rather than being tentative and having fear. It's like in putting. If you make make a committed stroke to something and you hit it firm, you're you're going to have far more tendency to get the ball rolling nicely as opposed to a tentative stroke. Well, no, what you just said, though, is so uh, smart in that, you know, once you've made all those calculations, you know, over the ball, you're going to be okay with whatever happens because you're no longer invested. Your ego gets kind of a bit of a holiday and it gets a break um, because you've just... It's my daughter just came downstairs. 
Um, a little peek through the door. Yeah. Hi, Daddy. She came back. Actually, it's funny. She just came downstairs to get the dog. She doesn't even want to see me. Um, she's like, oh, great. Kids. It's a couple old men talking about a game I hate. Where's the dog? Um, Where's my pal? So I, I think there is some, there's so much in that, that example you give because, you know, our egos are the ones that you know, hit shots, as Joe Parent would say, anyway. It's, you know, what's, what are you hitting? I'm hitting a seven. Well, I guess I should hit a seven. Right. And none of that matters. I, I have a, an example of that. But are you finished talking about your the par three? I am. Okay. So no, I was playing. You, it's your turn to spin a tail. Well, I got a couple of things. Uh, I want to just keep an eye on the time. Because I want to talk a little bit about Mackenzie Hughes. Just won a, a PGA Tour event uh, the week that we're recording this. From Dundas Valley near Hamilton. One um, for the Canadians. I want to talk about a, an, I want to talk about a thing I, uh, that happened to me that I was like, <laughs> I was so embarrassed by. <laughs> that, uh, like, it's just, a, like, honestly, I just want, I'm going to tell the story before we're done about uh, how after all the things I learned in 2016 and all the gains I made... That if you, you if you're not careful, that that old those old habits are, are are always there, and you need to be ever vigilant to be present and all that other stuff. And you proved your mortality. So yes, even spiritual leader <laughs> yes. can freak the f out. But I'll tell that story before we're done. So here's what I would say: I'm playing a couple weeks ago on a really windy day um, with two other good good players. But, you know, saying maybe not at my level. They're four and five, six handicap. And uh, we had like about, I think it was, a, it was a windy, windy day, maybe 150-ish to a hole. And all three of us are around the same area, 150, 153, 148. And uh, we all hit. And I'm the only one that hits it flag high. So I'm, middle, I'm, I'm pin high on the green. And, and, and because the shot shape I chose was sort of a, a low punch hook, and then uh, no one else hit the green. And so we're walking along and everyone's like, they're a little younger than me. So they're sort of wondering, what did I hit? I said, well, let me ask you, what did you hit? It was 153. They said, what did you hit? And then one guy was an eight iron. The other guy was uh, maybe a seven. And I think, I can't remember. It would be a better story if I hit five, but it was probably six. Yeah, yeah. And I said, six iron. They're like, what? I said, if you'd asked me before... I, I would have told you guys I'm hitting a I'm gonna hit a six iron which I normally can hit 175 sometimes if I stretch at 180 but it didn't matter to me the point is I felt this shot and it only mattered that I used whatever tool I needed to get the ball to that hole mm -hmm. and and that's sort of uh, a good takeaway for what you're talking about is I decided that it didn't matter my ego wasn't a, I don't care what you think of how far I can hit a ball because it's immaterial. It's a young person's ego thing about, oh, I hit my 8-R in 170. Oh, do you? Do you really? Yeah. Um, I don't care because at that moment I went, what is going to get me, what will get me to that hole? That's your elder wisdom coming through. Well, and, and that's I wish... why you are golf spiritual. <laughs> well. You've just, you've just ascended to another level of consciousness. Oh, yeah. Well, wait till you hear about me throwing my driver at my Yeah, bag. that's the part I'm waiting for. <laughs> oh, did you just give it away? That's nah, fine. Um. But Ooh, there's a lead up. We'll there's what we'll a, do. It's the lead up. Where the learning yeah. is is in the lead up. Yeah, and this is all part of uh, teasing it. So but anyway, my <laughs> point is that that's a, a big takeaway for, you know, commitment is freedom or intention is is everything. And my intention was to get the ball to the hole. I don't care what it takes. I'm not worried if it's a five iron or a six iron. If it's 135 and I've got a punch of five iron under the wind, I don't care anymore because I just want to know. I, I, I want to feel that. I'm not, I, don't, I know I can hit a 9 or 135 or 140, but if I have to hit it 90, I want to do that. It's fun for me. Yeah, and you know that, and also your body knows it. When, yes. you, when, you're, feel, when you're standing over it and it doesn't feel right, that's your body's way of saying, no, you ain't got the shot. This ain't the right tool. And then you get it, in, you, get, you put that 5 iron in your hand from, you know, like you say, 150 or something. And it, All right, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it happens on, a, on an unconscious level. That's, well, that's, back to Joe Parent. That's another thing. Standing over there, you know it's the wrong club. You hit it anyway, and you and you have a very high chance of it not working out. Then you get mad. Then you worry about your golf swing and on and on and on. Let's talk a little bit about Mackenzie Hughes, and I'll tell you about throwing a club. Not not just okay, ten okay. days ago. <laughs> it, it was it was a four uh, throw. Well, it was, uh, I, let's just go right there. No, we let's do Mackenzie can... Hughes first. Okay. Great. So you know what he did that I believe no one else has done. He's won a uh, Canadian tour, a web.com, 
in a PGA Tour event. Really? Yep. No one else has done that? I don't think so. Really? Someone okay. told me that. Do you know that? Is this uh, true? No, I, I, Maybe I haven't has, heard has, that. Has, In all the stuff that I read, I didn't read that. I, I, was, I was all excited about that. Maybe that's not true. Mackenzie Hughes wins. He's typing, folks. Yeah. Um, I know. Well, what's really interesting to me is how quickly he's ascended from winning a web.com to Because we were trying to get him on the show uh, for a while there. Were just, we? Yeah, it just didn't work with Well, who's his teacher? Day. His teacher, he works with Scott Cokes, uh, our friend Dave's brother. Scott. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's how we were trying to get him on the show? No, I was, I was working through his agent. That's the, the normal thing. And, and agents are tough to, to crack. Um, so I, there's a lot of really good things going on with this, with this win by uh, Mackenzie mm-hmm. Hughes. Um, he's been working with Scott Cokes for a long time. Scott is uh, a great teacher. This is really going to help get more word out about him. He's worked with Derek Ingram, uh, who is the uh, coach of the men's uh, national team. Wow. Uh, so a lot of really good things uh, came from this. And, you know, he's got a great team of people. Um, but what I really think was so cool was uh, here's a rookie, and he was like, didn't he open with like a 62 or 63 or something like that? And he's in there from the get-go, and he's against guys like uh, Vijegas, who's won, I think, three or four times, Billy Horschel, who's just exudes attitude. There he's in a five-man playoff, um, you know, makes it through, misses like that 10-footer on, um, on the second playoff hole on Sunday. They got to come back Monday morning. Wow, he could have mailed it in at that point. I mean, he could have just been overwhelmed with what happened, but he steadied himself, and um, wow, that was amazing. You know what's interesting is, is that he has a swing coach, and he has a golf coach. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's got uh, Fawkes, is that his name? Cowks. Cowks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, you said that 30 seconds ago. You can't expect me to remember that. So he's got the swing guy, but he's got Derek Ingram, who is his golf coach, who teaches him to play golf. I, th- I think he provi- he's another person he can, you know, just kind of bounce things off of another, another I don't know the words that coming to me, um, person in his group in which he can just talk about everything that goes on. And mm-hmm. Derek is, an, he's one of a... He's one of Canada's top coaches for sure. We'll get him on the show. We have. Do you had know? Him. Have we had him on? Yeah, we had him on. When do we have him on? Early, early days. <laughs> this is great. Well, we're in show you know, thirty-five now. We got so buddy, many shows. The, the great thing about being fifty-six is I don't know. You could have told me he was on last week. I'm like, really? When do we have Derek Ingram on? I need to talk to him some more. We about, I think December or January. But last, last year. year. Last I mean, in, this, in the in calendar year 2016. Really? Yeah, I think All so. Right. Who else did we have on? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me some more people that were on the look, show. Look through our iTunes roster. They're all, right. they're all there. Derek Ingram was on the show. Yeah. Man, I wish I could remember what he said. So one of the very cool things that comes out of Mac Hughes, and mm. he used to talk about like commitment and judgment. So I was talking with a Canadian tour player uh, this week, and uh, I said, what things do you like about Mac Hughes' game? And he says, well, you know, he really takes his time and really commits to himself. Oh, really? Well, tell me more about that. He says, he's actually, he's dead slow. He's really slow. And I said, really? Yeah. He says he even got penalized on the web.com this year for being slow. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, that's pretty interesting. And uh, so what does that say about Mac Hughes? So he just, just doesn't give a shit is what he said. And what that says to me is that Mac Hughes has decided this, if this is what it takes for him to play his best golf, he'll just take the time it takes regardless of what other people might think or do. So and that's what he does. For him, that might be, you know, too much. Because if, you know, there there are PGA Tour players like, uh, trying to remember the name of that kid. He's, he's, a, he's, a, funny, he's a funny guy. He's a... Uh, oh, old guy's trying to do a podcast. Yeah. We can't remember everybody's name. But you'd know him if I said his name. He's got a reputation as being really slow. Glenn Day was a... They used oh, yeah. to call him Glenn all day. Right. So... Ben Crane. Ben, that's who I'm thinking of. Ben Crane. The funny guy. He's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a point where you're taking maybe too much time. Yes. But there's a, a... But the average amateur doesn't take enough time. You know, the way my friend Paul Henrik puts it is he says, when it's your turn, take your turn. Most of us are too self-conscious about maybe... And that's why... Again, if you're an 18 handicap, 14, 12, 8, how many times around are you over a ball? You should be hitting a 6. You're hitting a 7. You hit it anyway. 
because you're a little self-conscious about stepping away Mm -hmm. or, you know, you might not consider everything before you hit because you don't want to because you're a little self-conscious about the other guys and they're, you know, waiting for you. When in actual fact, if you just took an extra couple of seconds, stepped away from that six iron, gone and got a different club, whatever it is, you'll save yourself three or four shots around just for doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, just for if you've got a bit of a dicey chip or whatever, and it's over a bunker or something, and you walk up halfway just to get a visual feel for the distance between the bunker or the fringe to the, the hole, it takes eight seconds. But you might get, it might save you a shot. What I really like where you're going with that is about the taking the time, but also you said the word feel. And I think that's the, the key part of it is rather than I think a lot of people, what I see a lot of amateurs do is they, they're trying to make the perfect you know, practice swing, which really has no relation to hitting a shot. They're trying to do something right as opposed to feeling, allowing, just absorbing what's going on. You see the shot, you see what you want to do, and, and maybe just more into the feel of it until mm-hmm. it feels like you've got it. Now, this isn't, we're not saying people, like, obviously slow play is a huge deal in golf, and we're not saying take 20 practice swings until it feels right. What I'm saying is that if you're more into the getting the feel of the shot in your body and what, what feels good, as opposed to trying to do a motion correctly, that's two very different things. Tim, I would say that slow play has less to do with what happens at the ball than what happens to you getting to the ball. Oh, yeah. And you know, guys aren't ready. Like, when it's your turn, be ready. You know, you, you're, you're, you can do a lot of what we're talking about um, while other people are playing. Yes. That's what slows people down. Is that Mrs. Tim? That is Mrs. Tim. Well, we should open that door. Yeah, okay. I'll, that uh, door? Yeah, go into this. I think it's locked. Okay. Look at Mrs. Tim. She's oh. just wandering around. She, quickly. before oh, you, sh- you talk and I'll text her. Well, no, just, seriously, All just right. get out of your chair. <laughs> it's okay. Get out of your chair. Go find your wife. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. She's now, she's, you know, this is no neighborhood for people. Sandy! No, oh, there's the dog. Dog's back. Yeah, I'm just checking to see who's been texting me. Uh, hi, Sandy. There's Sandy. And I'm also getting texts uh, from my... Uh, you want to let the dog in, too? Cause, oh, I'm doing a doll here. Yeah. Because you're... I, I uh, Let me know if you can hear me. No, I'm good. My daughter wants to know if, if we can hear her. She's upstairs playing guitar. Um, this is a home version of uh, Swing Thoughts. That's okay. Well, you think that no one's expecting us to be professional by now, trust me. That's right. Trust That's right. me. There's no expectation. So, um, yeah, what I was saying is a lot of slow play has to do with not getting to your ball in a timely manner, not looking at the putts while your f- other people are playing, not playing ready golf, not, you know. I mean, those are the things that slow rounds down. Like, if you're putting and I haven't started my routine yet, that's slow. Right, right. If you're about to hit a ball and I haven't done, I haven't picked a club and made the count. Like, I don't think people should, as you say, take 20 practice swings and, you know, they're never ready. Because what being never ready is what slows people down. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting is that I talked about not being concerned about what other people think of you. As soon as we said talked about you know taking more time, I thought of all my golf professional friends are going, oh, great, they're talking about people like taking all kinds of time and making the game slow. But I don't think That's I don't. I was, no, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Playing ready golf, being in position, ready to go, knowing where to be. Mm-hmm. Off, Knowing you, where to take your clubs on the yeah, on the tee side of the green, all that stuff. Yeah, you know if if you got you know I look at just things that can make it faster. You know your you know your friends in the bunker and they've hit a you know maybe a poor a fairway bunker. They hit a poor shot. They've just barely got it out. And rather than you know they have to bunt rake it and then go just go in and rake it while they go and play. Absolutely. You know I mean I I say there's a lot of guys don't like to. You know, if you get a birdie on the hole, you know, no one likes to have it. people say, well, I'm ne- I don't like to hit in front of a birdie. Don't step on that birdie. Just, just go and hit, please. Exactly it right. doesn't matter. It's not going to be the last birdie that anyone's going to make. It's, <laughs> you know, maybe you don't hit in front of a double eagle or something. Yeah. So do you want to hear about me freaking out or what? Because we're going to we wrap this up. Uh, Our swing thoughters are dying to know. So I, uh, I, it was like, I guess, I don't know, it would be three weeks ago tomorrow was the uh, sort of 
the 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 round of the year. I shot sixty nine and never had a I never had a bogey free round in my life. That was cool. All the a couple of months of fall golf leading up to that, I uh, just had a lot of rounds that were even par, one over, one under. I had a lot of rounds. I got like ten rounds in a three or four week period. They were all very close to par or thereabouts. And then I shoot sixty nine, and then I play about I don't know five or six more times after. And uh, immediately expect to, to shoot. Oh yes, to shoot even par or under every time I tee it up. And I, and I had a couple rounds where I shot seventy six, and I was like pissed. Yes, out of one round I shot eighty three, and I was like, like, oh. like ridiculous, like acting like an ass. <laughs> and uh, it all culminated about a week ago. It was, uh, it was uh, that Friday about a week ago was beautiful. It's like eighteen degrees. Guys were wearing shorts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I go out. And we play uh, Rattlesnake, uh, the not Sidewinder, the other one, Copperhead. Copperhead, yeah. I never know my name. <laughs> I, don't, I often call it Coppin' Wood or whatever. <laughs> and I, uh, I start quick. I'm like, I think I was three under or two under after five. I could have been four under because I just lipped out a couple of birdies. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm taking it low, baby. <laughs> and uh, then I had a couple bogeys, a shoot even par, and I'm on the back nine. I'm even par with a couple holes to go. And I uh, three putt 17 to be like one over, I think. And I'm, and I'm bummed. Yeah, I, I can't even describe it. Oh, I know. I walked to the 18th tee, and I hit probably the longest drive of the day, I kill it. It's a really tough eight. The eighteenth at Coppin Wood or whatever, Copperhead, Copperhead Club Link sponsor. We we'll get the name of is your a, course is, right. Yeah, it's four hundred and thirty, <laughs> but it's a tough four thirty. I hit it. I got one fifty five in, dude. I killed it. Ooh. But I, I want you. To, here's how embarrassed this is. Here it comes. So I three putt seventeen. No big deal. I walk to eighteen. Kill this drive because I am angry, and then I take my driver. This is now, I don't know, fully two minutes after I three-putted. And I take the head of it and I throw it, grip, I spear grip it toward my bag. And no one can figure out what's, because I've just hit this drive. They're all like, oh my God, that was ridiculous. So that's how screwed up I am still. You're not screwed no, up. No, but I'm saying it, you have to be vigilant because yes. right, and, and this is spiritual leader. And I still got mad at something that had happened Two minutes ago, even after I hit a great shot, I just because I was because you know what? Because I after hit that drive, no thought. Okay, well then I'm going to obviously par this hole. So now I made that bogey because I won't shoot even par because I uh, all that stuff. And uh, and I bogeyed the last hole, shot seventy four. And um, mm. I said to myself, you know what, Howard? Just yeah. like I, I was a great lesson in. I you have to keep at this. So my so the two of the two of the guys left and one of one of the guys said you want to play another nine and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and he and I and I said yes because I wanted to have almost like a palate cleanser <laughs> I said I need to go out and play golf just for fun and remind myself again that it's just that I've done I, I you know had a great year and shooting <laughs> seventy four isn't a bad score but isn't that funny and it was all after I shot sixty nine yeah but all of a sudden I decided that now I was whatever I was supposed to be, and when I didn't reach that, I got mad at myself again. Well, as I say, the, um, the, the man with no expectations is never disappointed, and unfortunately you had, maybe even unconsciously, mm -hmm. this is Sigmund Freud talking here. No, for sure. That you know, subconsciously you would send it to this other level, and now you're, you know, all your games are 68, 67, 69s, that type of stuff, and... That's where you fall down. So there's so many parallels here that are so interesting. So the Merchant of Venice, who was the uh, kind of like the the uh, the uh, foil in that? And was it Diego? Anyways, he said at the at the end of it, to prove his humanity, cut me, I bleed. Mm -hmm. Even you, golf spiritual leader, I know you descended to this level. I know and you're still tossing clubs and uh, having these expectations. And it was such a bad toss too, because I took, I was literally tossed it. I didn't, I didn't helicopter it. I, I thought I could toss it, holding onto the head of the club, <laughs> and weird. I threw it at my bag, and uh, everyone was kind of like shocked, like, what are you, what are you mad about? 
<laughs> I was like yeah, yeah. Uh, three putt, and <laughs> I could meant it was the last day of the golf season. Yes. Well, there you go. You well, you wanted to ascend to keep the just keep going <laughs> with that into the winter with this being the the great golfer that you are now, this subpar golfer, this scratch golfer that you really are. Or you believe yourself to be, but man, that's, you're right. You have to be on it all the time because, you know, we can talk all this great, you know, there are great stuff here and we're talking it and, and this is what I coach and we're all learning this, but <laughs> score matters. It does. At the end of the day, we really, we, we play the game to be in the experience of, of the golf course and finding all these wonderful things. But I don't know anybody who's ascended to another level where score doesn't matter. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think it should matter. I think that if I could get to a place where like score didn't matter, uh, then I wouldn't be aggravated, you know, because I really should have parred that last hole. I mean, it was a, it was a simple eight iron to the green, but I was still. I mean, and as much as we've talked, thirty five episodes and hours and hours of, you know, meditating on these ideas and trying to live them each day. Prove to me that you need to live them each day. Oh, it's because I'm not going back to that place. I'm not going to be a, an unhappy, shitty attitude golfer. I'm not going to be that guy. But if I don't watch myself, you know, you talk about energy being down or expectations mm-hmm. going up because I shot some low rounds, and you know, even that and that that particular day, I really had it going. Like, you know, it could have been pretty cool because I I was on this fifth or sixth tee, and I, I think I was two under. And I'm, you know, really could have been four, might have even been five if I got lucky. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm on, you know, that bogey somehow rattled me. I mean, it's absurd. I know. By the way, the new drinking game is Tim says 100% take a drink. I say absurd. Take two. Um, <laughs> anyway. No, I just thought I, I thought I would cop to it because, you know, uh, oh, yeah. that's uh, so for you f- kids that think that I, it's it, that you it's once you get it, it's never you're never going to have to think about it again. It was a lesson to me that I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going away tomorrow to play golf. And I'm going to tell you, my only goal is to have fun, stay, get warm, hit some fun shots. And I am not I'm not going back. I'm not going back to being that guy. It's. All about process, journey, enjoy it. Destination is great. Even when you shot the 69, I'm sure you felt really good, but was your life that much different than the day, than your last game when you shot maybe a 74? You felt, probably felt really good about yourself, but is life suddenly different? I mean, you, you ask most people what they want to do, and they want to shoot better scores. So that will make you happy, right? Mm, not necessarily. You might feel better about yourself in some regards, but it really is the the process, the journey. That's the high level view. Oh no, life was magical after that, Tim. You're wrong. <laughs> um, you know, you said you were you're mentioning Shakespeare, and I, I saw something this morning. I was watching a Seinfeld does this show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. You ever seen it? No. It's really really good. He basically interviews friends of his that he likes, and they drive around in old antique cars. But they were referring to. Uh, Jack Benny skit. I used to love Jack Benny. Oh, yeah. And there's a skit where he comes on stage doing Shakespeare, and the first line is, to be or not to be. And so he walks on stage, and, he, and, the, and the, in the skit, there's a guy uh, uh, in the stage area. The audience can see, and he's the prompter guy. He's, you know, on, in, in plays, they often have a guy who's helping you with your line. Right, <laughs> it's right. The, it's the first line of the play, and Benny takes a pause, and the guy looks up and goes, to be or not to be. And Benny just looks down like, I, I know. It's like I'm not gonna forget. I'm not gonna forget that, and that's a nice place to end because I think that it's important that we don't forget these things that we've talked about. Are are you need to work at them? Oh yeah. Like every day, um, there has to be it has to be part of your practice. The commitment, the intention, the idea. Uh, oh, now there's Mark. Why don't we have Hebsher on? Here. Why don't we have Hebsher on? It's okay. Do you want to? Here's what we'll do. Swing thought, people. We'll do. Uh, how about we do five minutes with Hebsher? Come sure, on over Mark here. Mark Hebsey. This is, do uh, you want this mic here? Sure. Look at Mrs. Hebsher. Well, this is like everyone brings, it's like bring your wife to work day. That's Sandy. Hi, Shona. That's Sandy. Uh, what's the mic? Is this uh, Mark Hebsher is the host of uh, uh, podcast, award winning him and world Liz famous, West. World famous. What's the podcast. name of your show? Uh, no fun intended. 
Mark Hebsher is uh, part of the. Uh, yeah, it's, oh look, he's got his oh, humble, and humble and Fred T-shirt. I got the humble and Fred T-shirt because I didn't know if I could get in today, so I needed some identification. Dude, you're welcome here anytime. Thanks. Hebsher is a, a long time for you people listening across the country. You know him from uh, years ago on Sportsline. One of the he, actually, I always say this about Hebsher. For me, he was the guy that invented smart, funny personality sports guy. Uh, long before there was everybody who was snarky, smirky. <laughs> Smart ass. Yeah. They all owe Hebsher a, a debt of... Uh, they, they, uh, anyway, but Hebsher's also... Do you, I can't remember. You play golf. You and Shona play golf, right? Oh. Yeah. And I've seen uh, your wife swing. Uh, you've, I've seen it online. Now, does Shona beat you? Only with the club. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, now, how, did, did Shona... Did you play golf before Mark? No. So, you've learned through Mark. Yeah. Fun. That's yeah. probably the. That's not the. That's a testament to how great your relationship is. It is, but I know, and I knew from the very beginning that if I tried to show her to do something, mm. like I have my own problems. I'm not a teacher, so right off the bat, she took instruction from a very good teacher. She learned the. She she didn't have any bad habits to start with. Yeah. So she didn't. You know, it, it wasn't that difficult for her to learn stance, posture, grip, ball position, those important things, from a real instructor. What a mature man you are. And smart. So. No, no one's ever, believe me, that's you. the first time anyone's ever said that. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's funny that, uh, in fact, I, one of the things I was going to say before we leave today, for you Swing Thought kids that are working on your swing through the winter, I'm going to tell you, what Mark just said is exactly what I was going to leave you with, which is, you know, if you can work on the things that Nicholas used to work on at the beginning of each golf season, his teacher would take him and all they would work on is uh, aim, ball position, stance, posture, all that stuff that happens before you swing a golf club. And, uh, I mean, you're, you know, Shona and other people are a great example of that. That's, those are the basics. Mm. Like, if you are aimed wrong, you can't swing a golf club. Because you will do something to compensate. compensate for the path that's, you know, you're aimed way. By the way, most of you are aimed way too far right. Trust me, or Oh, I know. That's my problem, too. Because I draw the ball and, you know, someone will say, what are you doing aimed out there? I'll hit it straight way way right and say well that's exactly where you're aimed mm -hmm. because i try to draw the ball so i'm thinking okay if i aim this way the ball will, it never does well the thing i had that problem i mean it's a it's a good player's fault but i i was aiming a little further right than i thought and that's what also makes you pull it because subconsciously you're trying to pull it back to the middle of the fairway the target um mark hebsher what do you know about this kid from your area because you live in dundas it's right? a neighbor of ours yeah mackenzie hughes we were just talking about him yeah this kid is probably in better shape than any young player, any young golfer. And when I say that, I mean he does not touch sugar. He doesn't drink soft drinks. So you were a, telling me from the time he temple. was like 16 years old. Oh, even, even younger than that. His body was a temple. So I think he knew when he first started playing golf, first of all, the course near us, Dundas Valley, which is right up the street from mm -hmm. us, has a short course. A little short course, right? A little nine hole, uh, like a par three type of a course. And what happened was Mackenzie's parents were members of Dundas Valley, and he was like three years old. And rather than get a babysitter, they brought him out there. They cut down a driver. They cut down a putter. And he, he'd spend the whole day there, you know, um, you know, barefoot, whatever, knocking it around this short course. So he learned the basics of the game. He learned by osmosis, I guess, from his parents and such. And I guess at a certain particular time, he figured, you know, look, I'm good at this. I enjoy it. Uh, and so why not pursue it? So he went to Highland Secondary School, which is where my sons went to school a couple years before them. And then he went to Kent State. He got a scholarship there. And he learned. I mean, he even his coach at Kent State said to him, said, you know, you can take it easy once in a while. You can mm. go relax, have a couple of, I don't know about have a couple of beers. I don't think he was old enough to drink. But anyway, <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 no. And he would put in the extra work, like the story of when someone first saw Arnold Palmer hitting balls in the rain. And they went, who's that? And I said, well, that's Arnold Palmer. He said, what's he doing out in the rain? He's working on his game. So McKenzie, I think, has that type of attitude whereby he works so hard and he has he's so organized. Oh, yeah. So organized that it, it's all part of it. He was he was he was interested in nutrition before any. Hebsy, tell me, because I, I, I thought maybe maybe I was quoting you when I said Mackenzie Hughes is the only guy to win on the Canadian tour, web.com and PGA tour. Was that not, did I not get that? Uh, but yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not sure. We, we, we're, we think that's probably happened before. I don't it, know. It maybe may it have. has. It may have. I mean, the web.com tour, whatever its previous incarnations were. A lot were. of Canadians have won. So, there, okay. Yeah. We're, and by the way, you know who else went to Kent State? I think it was David Moreland. Yep. David um, Moreland, the fourth. The fourth. Anyways, listen, we got to wrap up quickly in, uh, and I'll give you three minutes. In all the years you covered sports, uh, f what golfer 
have you interviewed or do you have a quick anecdote about, you know, you say Palmer or covering? Have yeah. you, who, who did you have in front of you that was either uh, interesting or you wouldn't believe? Or The best was Joanne Carner, Big Mama. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was first starting in radio, she was a top, top player. Uh, this was just when Nancy Lopez was coming into her own. Like just as Nancy Lopez was being, you know, like, who's this girl with the slow backswing? But Joanne Carner, Big Mama, was a fantastic player. She was a great amateur player. And, and by the way, Fred, the guy who did the Humble and Fred show, his nickname's also Big Mama, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Not very many people know that, Mark. Anyways, but when continue. I started in radio, one of my first assignments was to cover the, uh, it was, I think it was called the Peter Jackson Classic at the time. It That's was right. the Ladies LPGA yeah. in Canada. And they played at St. George's one year, and my boss said, you're going to go out and you're going to cover golf and you're going to, you're going to cover it live. In other words, you're going to check back with the radio station every 15 minutes with updates. And then when the tournament's over with, you're going to interview the winner. So I'm doing these updates here at St. George's and Joanne, and she shot 63 on the final day to win the tournament. And then she came into the press room and there I am standing there with my radio engineer and the tape is running and, you know, we're recording this thing. And she, I said, hi, Joanne, Mark. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Saw you out there on the course. Gave me a fantastic interview. Was really, really wonderful. And I think at that time I realized, you know what? Golfers are pretty cool Mm -hmm. because at the time, Gary Cowan was an amateur champion and Gary was known as being a very like, get out of my face and I don't do interviews and, you know, that kind of, there were a lot of guys that were like that. They just didn't want to deal with the press. And Joanne Carner was wonderful. The Very ladies, nice. The ladies uh, are always amazing to deal with. Mark Hepsher and Liz West, uh, you can find their uh, podcast, No Fun Intended, on iTunes. Uh, we're going to take a break, I guess, for a few weeks. We'll do one more before Christmas, I guess. Probably. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. very nice. Tim O'Connor with ConnorGolf.ca, the uh, mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey, Glen Abbey Academy. And, of course, I'm Golf Spiritual Leader. Also on the Humble and Fred Radio.com. And uh, we'll see you in a little bit. Oh, by the way, this pro- broadcast brought to you by TaylorMade Adidas and by Club Link. There's never been a better time to join. All right, there you go.